Okay, well, um, I can see that I'm talking. What about you? I can see. Clearly not. The rain is gone. Okay, I think that's close enough. Are you ready to put Police World to bed? This is it. I know. It always hurts to watch the babies leave the nest. Grow up and fly away. Grow up to be police boys. where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule. Until now, I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? I can't remember what we were doing yesterday when uh, when we I, I recorded an episode of the No No. It was that mm. was one of the funnest ones I've ever done. It was a very it very was good time. really really fun. Uh, but at the very beginning, when Lee is doing the intro, something made you laugh. And um, on the episode, you can hear you laughing, which in turn made me start laughing. So no, you, no, no. I was what making, was it? I was making orgasm noises. That's right. And that's you right. were cracking up. That's right. And you know, I feel bad that's for right. Lee. Lee, I know that you listen. So let me just go ahead and publicly apologize here. There's something about about throwing Lee off of his game or or doing stuff that sends Lee into a into a state that okay. is so funny to me that just makes you happy and i try so hard to be good all the time i try to be a good boy and i try not to like fuck with him a lot you know what that means but it can be very hard to do you know what it means mm. he's your brother oh yeah because i do that absolutely with, i have four brothers and i do that with them i will do things and just to, to throw them off their game to get them a little slightly off center and uh and it's and when you get there and, and you know you've done it right, it's there's a satisfaction that you don't get from just doing that to, you know, somebody you work with. You it's know. a word we used when we were on the episode yesterday. Um, gamesmanship. Yes. It's just fun to I play. I love that, that word. You know? That's a great word. And I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the um, of, uh, you know, being a Loki being a being a little troublemaker mischievous but but sometimes it's funny to just rattle the cage a little it's bit, it's it's know? funny to try and run the clock down and watch the other team get pissed off because you're just sitting there holding the ball yeah yeah that that yeah. Does, there is a little bit of a satisfaction just knowing that, that they're yeah. irked but there's not much they can do except for just foul you and send you to the exactly line. and then you're gonna you know hug them and, and continue about your day and it's just gonna be a minute Seth, that's a beautiful thing go mark please tell me tell me something good Tell me something good. Today, you know, I'm of mixed emotions. Um, Today is the last day of police parole. Um, There was a time where I thought that this this month would never end. Um, But the day of this release, 424, um, the last day of police parole. Will we ever do a full month of a band? I don't know. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me because it's a band that I really, really like. We could do this with Ted Nugent. We could do this with Kiss. We could do this with Kid Rock. We could do this with ACDC. We could do this with ZZ Top. There are many bands that just have <laughs> stupid double entendre sex vocals all the time and lyrics um, and other just stupid things that we we could we could make it happen. But 
it's not as fun because most of those bands I don't like as much as I like the police. We're not doing it with Kid Rock. No. I would find a cliff somewhere here in Florida to drive off <laughs> of officially if we had to end do this band. Oh, Jesus. Or the end of this band. In this, uh, in this cast. In um, this cast. I feel, I, I feel exactly the same way in that my emotions are mixed. It seems like when we were approaching this, uh, I was get, I was a little bit nervous. I was mm. you know I was on edge, and then when it started, it was you know it was like I think I at the beginning I likened it to being at the beginning of a cruise ship, knowing that it was going to end one day. And guess what? We're there. We we know that we don't have. Do we have the biggest listenership in the world? Far from it. Um, we're two dudes who have day jobs, who have a penchant for learning a lot about stuff, um, and a love. Um, that will be lifelong for music. Um, and there will be you know, music playing when I die. Yeah. And, you know, even though this is not the, um, the nadir, uh, or the pinnacle of our lives, we wanted to do this right. It was important for us to, um, you know, even though this is a silly one-off month thing, we wanted to do it correctly. We wanted to pick good songs we wanted to pick a good band. We wanted to tell a story. We spent time on this. And today the story ends and begins because if you've been paying attention, you know that we've been working backwards. And so now we talk about the formation of the police um, starting in the mid 70s, 1976. Stuart Copeland, who we've learned a little bit about, the drummer of the band, an American um, an American come Londoner, um, met a bass playing, uh, English professor named Gordon Shumway, English teacher, English teacher. Yes. Okay. Not a professor, not a professor. Okay. Thank you. Um, I should have been listening more. It's okay. Um, and they got together, exchanged phone numbers. Um, he explained that his nickname was sting, uh, because of his habit of wearing a black and yellow striped sweater. Yes. Resembling a wasp um, and was playing uh, bass in a lot of jazz fusion bands, etc. Um, and Stuart Copeland uh, was hot on the trend of punk, which as any um, person who knows a modicum of about music, 1977, the year the Sex Pistols broke, the year that punk effectively became a big thing. Stuart Copeland being the uh, the aggressive American born and bred into aggression, <laughs> decided he wanted to start a punk band. Uh, Gordon Shumway hit him up and was not entirely sold on the punk aesthetic and the punk thing, mm -hmm. but recognized that there was some money to be made. OK, so he's, you know, kind of coming at it from the uh, from the Sex Pistols point of view, sort of. Uh, what was the name of the, the Sex Pistols uh, manager? Malcolm McLaren. Thank you. The Malcolm McLaren. Mm -hmm. uh, not to be confused with Scuderia McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> the F1. The, the, Everything uh, always winds up F1 back at F1. In yeah. my brain it does. There April 30th is the next, or 30 oh. year, the end of this month is the next race. I can't wait. Right. So they get together, uh, meet up. And he goes, sure, we'll start a band. Yeah, not the uh, somewhere that I read along the line over the last four weeks. Weeks, not the purest of intentions in Stuart Copeland. Not uh, just to 
you know, finding some sort of uh, inspiration in the aesthetic, I think that a lot of it was motivated of with uh, this is the hip thing at this time, and we need to glom onto it in order to make a buck. Yeah. So, and then you know, the rest falls in line with Sting, and uh, they get together, and then not long after that, they are followed along. They have another friend, uh, that other guy. Yeah. Go so ahead. they they eventually get together as a trio with a guy from Por- Corsica named Henry Padovani um, and get together, start working on some stuff, start playing some gigs, playing in, in London. This is after um, Gordon Shumway moves, I guess I'll just call him Sting, moves to London and hits up, um, hits up Stuart Copeland. They get this guitarist. They go and they play a show. Um, they release a debut single called Fallout, um, which uh, does okay. The only police recording featuring Henry Padovani and Mick Jagger reviewed the single in Sounds Magazine. Um, wow. So, yeah. I wonder what he had to say. Uh, you know what? I was going. I meant to look it up and I didn't. Um, but we'll just say he probably said it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Probably um, didn't care that much, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, well, being. I mean, he. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> when you're the Rolling Fucking Stones and you've been and it's in the 1970s and you've been a band and changing music for 15 20 years at that yeah. point you know a band that like moves the needle you're probably like oh cool yeah they're doing that. exactly they're doing new stuff cool <laughs> tattoo you is about to be written <laughs> right. yeah, yeah exactly. i mean yeah. what what does he care what gordon's doing yeah um so during the same time uh a, a man named mike howlett asked Sting to join um, in to play in Strontium 90, which we discussed with Mike Canary. Thank you again, Mike, for uh, for being on. Um, oh, by the way, I, I, I should mention this. I, I almost had my Facebook shut down. What? Um, because of the album cover for Can't Stand Can't, Losing. Wow. Because I posted it and I, I, rec- I, I mean, I'm this is not me being I'm not denigrating Facebook at all um, because I ended up getting. Uh, pounded with are you okay pop-ups oh, no. saying if you are thinking of harming yourself here's a phone number to call oh. um, you know it gets better and a are bunch you of saying different... this isn't from people the algorithm caught you well uh, yeah so yeah I mean I know that Facebook has in the past used an algorithm um, that is that is not an algorithm at all they have like human farms oh. that look at videos and pictures that are posted and decide what is okay and what isn't. Every once in a while, Facebook does something good. Yeah. I um, mean, really? Well, it's questionable some of the stuff they do. Um, there's an excellent episode of Reply All about uh, yes, it. Yes, there is. Um, yes. But uh, I'll leave that for another day. So we we mentioned this a little bit. Strontium 90 is a band. Um, he asked Sting to join this guy, Mike Howlett. He does, but the drummer doesn't show up. They ask Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland comes along. There's a fourth member of Strontium 90. Who is it? It's Andy Summers. They ask Andy Summers to join the band. They say, get rid of this Henry guy, and I'm in. Uh, but there's a little loyalty there. Sting and and um, Stuart Copeland are like, you know, he's kind of our dude. He's been in the band. We don't really want to We don't really want to go down that. We want to kind of stick together as a four-piece. Mm. Uh, they performed live twice as a four-piece. Um, in 1977, um, after those two gigs, including a, and also an aborted recording session with Mike or with John Cale, 
from the Velvet Underground. I just read that. That right was supposed you, to wow. be <laughs> that was supposed to be um, producing. Um, Andy Summers said, "Look, either he goes or I go." <laughs> um, now Sting had some reservations about Henry Padovani from the get go because he wasn't as good. He was not, you know, they weren't able to do all the songs that Sting wanted to do. They weren't able to achieve, you know, kind of go to the next step as a, as far as Sting was concerned. So there were, you know, there was some ifs. There was some, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm sold on this guy. Then they get Andy Summers, who's great. That ultimatum pushes him over. They kick Henry out of the band. Um, Pat Avani goes on to play in, I'm sure you've read this, but Wayne County in the electric chairs, Yep. who, if you don't know, you're doing fine. Yeah. Who is, uh, you're, if you don't know, you're doing fine. Well, I'm saying <laughs> you're doing fine. If he, if, if you're in that band. Yeah. Yeah. If you get kicked out of the police to be in that band. You're doing okay. Yeah. It, definitely worth listening to also. Wayne County is yeah, really great. As big as the police. No, not by a long shot, but still a fine career. Yeah. You know? It is what Jane it is. County still alive and kicking, still and going. When you're doing something like the police, and you know, um, and the song that we're going to be talking about here in a bit, you have to have someone like Andy Summers who has, you know, kind of the conceit, the balls to write some of the parts he wrote. Uh, so they get together in this power trio lineup with Summers. They perform for the first time in August of 1977 in Birmingham. Um. This is a quote from a music, uh, music critic named Christopher Gable. The truth is that the band merely utilized the trappings of 1970s British punk. The bleached blonde short hair, Sting in his jumpsuits or army jackets, Copeland and his near maniacal drumming style. In fact, they were criticized by other punk bands for not being authentic and lacking street cred. That- what the police did perhaps take from punk was a brand of nervous, energetic, disillusion with 1970s britain um the bleach blonde hair that was mentioned became a brand trademark uh by accident uh they were asked to do a commercial for wrigley's spearmint gum where they asked them to dye their hair blonde really the commercial never aired so when you hear stories uh like sting talking about how they're blonde bombshells etc etc they did it for a Wrigley Spearmint Gum ad that always, never fully aired. They seemed to always be prepared to sell out. Yeah. I mean, really. And, you know, we should also mention, and this is not to take anything away from, you know, Seth and I, I think, have had this discussion, and I've definitely had it with a lot of other people, about what is punk. Seth and I are huge fans of a band called The Minutemen, who were a part of the punk movement. But when you hear the Minutemen, they are not what you think of when you think of a punk band, either now or then. If you place the Minutemen next to a lot of the bands that they toured with, um, like Black Flag, like the Circle Jerks, or even like modern day punk, if you put them next to AFI, if you put them next to The Offspring, they sound completely different. They are a world in and of themselves. We're talking kind of about a, a time where punk rock meant not playing what was you know it's it's kind of like grunge compared to the popular music of the time this is kind of punk rock compared to the popular music of the late 70s and just doing something different in thinking for yourself at that time punk truly was pushing the boundaries with what you had as most as you could as, as most as that could be done as much as you might picture uh for example other SST bands like he had mentioned um, that being a label that was known for punk bands, uh, Black Flag 
is the label that is is the band that everyone thinks of. As much as they might have been a guitar hard heavy band, there were other bands on the label that just did not follow that same aesthetic. The Minutemen, the Meat Puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was about changing the way sounds were and and sounds and at the same time they all had butthole seen, surfers buttholes. Well, they, not an SST band, but yes, very much so. The same thing. It was um it was it was a it was about changing things. It was also and about doing it yourself. And the common thread amongst all of them was being disaffected with the situation that you had and the society you grew up in. Right. That was the the common denominator amongst those bands. It was not always about eating s- Margaret Thatcher or Ronald Reagan. <laughs> or Ronald Reagan. Yeah, on the on the flip side or on the other side of the Atlantic. But it was it was it, it that they, that was what you had in common. Um, just being different, a, a drive to be different, and uh, something that I think is seriously lacking. And I don't want to sound like an old man. And younger music is uh, is you know is, is strange and weird and unusual because I do listen to new music. But um, the drive to push boundaries and come up with new with very, very little is really There was not a happening. lot of hope when, when uh, I remember there being a lot of memes when Donald Trump was uh, first nominated that people were saying, well, at least we'll get some good punk again. And I don't, I don't know that it really happened. I don't think that happened. Well, and I will tell you, I mean, for what it's worth, we, uh, we live in such comfort now that it is very easy to lock yourself in your house and just be like, whatever, this is good enough. The Minutemen grew up in San Pedro, California projects. Most of the members of the Sex Pistols grew up in council flats in London. Um, The guys in Black Flag grew up in lower working class neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, You're not going to see... You know, music and maybe the only music that you'll see that's still created like that uh, from extreme poverty conditions in the United States could possibly be rap. That's absolutely true. You know, that's that's pretty much I it. think rap and hip hop has largely become yeah. filled that that chasm. Mm-hmm. They've they've taken that over the, the voice of disaffected youth. Absolutely. Yeah. Go listen to Kendrick Lamar and you'll see exactly Good what stuff. we're talking about. So they ended up doing um, while they were starting with a band, they ended up doing some music. And I'm probably going to uh, absolutely butcher this guy's name because he's German. Eberhard Scheiner, um, who uh, did a bunch of performances that resulted in three albums, uh, mostly Sting and Andy Summers. But Copeland also joined for a little bit of a time. Uh, an eclectic mix of rock, electronica, and jazz. So they were doing a number of different things here. They they were not stuck to just sticking around with doing this neo uh, blend of of rock and punk and reggae. Uh, which, if you've listened to the Clash, um, you know this this idea of punky uh, punky reggae at this time was becoming more and more of a thing, especially. In England, where they had a lot of people from Jamaica that were um, living in England um, and coming over and bringing their music with them and kind of combining those. Uh, it had those an effect. Things. Absolutely. Uh, which is where we get this, the second wave of uh, ska. But I digress because I could talk about that shit all day. They, of course, go on to start recording their album out, Landos Demore, which um, had a first single, the second single we already talked about. And that second single was Can't Stand Losing You, in which they talk about a guy who's going to kill himself because his girlfriend broke up with him. The first single um, was a song that Miles, uh, who is uh, Stuart Copeland's brother, heard and made him 
reach out to AM Records to get them a deal, and the song that he heard was Roxanne. Seth, how does Roxanne make you feel? Not the person, but the song. <laughs> I don't know if you know a Roxanne. I do. Okay. Um, and I've always loved that name on a girl. I don't know about you. Yeah. I think that's a great name for a girl. Taken from uh, taken from the Serrano de Bergerac um, uh, story. Yes. And uh, which also uh, cultivated a movie called Roxanne. Yes. Starring Steve, Steve Martin. Martin and Daniel, Daryl Hannah. And Daryl Hannah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good movie. Yeah. It's a it's a great name. Um, it, she uh, this. Uh, why he chose this, I'm not exactly sure. I don't really have a lot of information on if it's about a girl that he knows or he just took that name. It is essentially, I believe, a French name. I'm not sure. The song, I'm conflicted with it. Uh, much like, I think we had a friend of ours in here, Joe Latch, at one time, that did a System of a Down song with us. And I was, mm. you know, I, I can never make up my mind whether or not I like System of a Down songs or not. I'm, I always yeah. kind of flop one you way or another. You live. Yeah, oh, they're uh, one of Famously. the best bands I've ever seen live. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if, it's, if you're going off crowd response... That shit was amazing. But um, the song opens. He starts singing. I find it interesting. It definitely catches your ear. The verses, I think, are extremely interesting. And I've heard more than one person express that when he goes into the Roxanne put on the red light part, which I'm sure if you're listening to this right now, you've probably already heard at some point or another. But it it goes on ad nauseum at the end, and I will stress the ad nauseum part because it just doesn't seem to stop. And when it first starts, the first Roxanne put on the red light is where the the song loses me. So I would say that the verses typically have me, and and I I find them intriguing, and I think it's a good song, and I love paying attention to it. But when you get to it, it's just a chorus that doesn't rub me the right way. I never really have liked it all that much. And then when the song ends with it, it, you, it almost kind of firmly swings it into the category of a song that I don't particularly like all that much. Um, and that's sad when it comes to the police because there's so many great police songs that I do like, even though over the last three weeks we've talked about these questionable lyrics and how frightening they are. The songs themselves, if taken at a, you know, if, if you take them in by, their, by themselves, are, are really, really great. This one, it's just one that, that I, I, I falls flat for me. Interesting. I love the chorus and I love the repeating chorus at the end. Um, I love um, the thing that I love about it so much is that I love how it ramps up as it goes over and over again and kind of gets manic, Mm -hmm. Um, which I mean, we can talk about it in the shape of the song here in a minute. Um, The song was inspired by the prostitutes he saw near the band's seedy hotel in Paris, France where the police were lodged in October 1977 to perform at the Nashville Club. Uh, Club. The song's title comes from the name of the character in the play Serrano de Bergerac, an old poster of which was hanging in the hotel foyer. So, um... Song me... originally conceived as a bossa nova. Yeah. Next thing. So, yeah. and he refers to the style of this music, of this song, as a tango, which was interesting to me. Uh, that is very interesting, considering that most tangos are three, four, I believe. See, no, now, that's waltzes. That's waltz. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I guess I can see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so the layout of the song was in part uh, written by Stuart Copeland, who actually told Sting where the bass notes should go. So this seemed like one of those things where Sting brought the song, but 
Can you imagine Stuart Copeland being like, boom, 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 like trying to explain it to him and how foreign that must have sounded and how foreign it must have felt if he was coming in with a bossa nova feel. Um, it, and it, it proved to be quite a, a conundrum for Sting. He couldn't really get it down at first. Really? But after a little bit of uh, talking, talking through it, um, I can't imagine the song as a bossa nova. I'm having a hard time picturing it that way. Um, that's just me. Um, but, well, it obviously changed it for the better with the success that you've seen from it. So, Yeah, this is uh, Andy Summers. Sting played it for me in my living room early on. He was very shy at first bringing in his songs. But it was brilliant, and later on we all worked it out in a damp basement in North London. Mm-hmm. God, to be a fly on the wall. No I remember Stuart telling Sting where to place the bass notes, which was a bit tricky. Miles Copeland came down to hear us and we were all kind of embarrassed to play it for him because Miles had blinders on and was into fast and furious punk. But much to his credit, he said, this is great and knockout. I was really surprised and he took it to A&M and got a contract for one single. I don't think it ever broke the top 40 in America, but eventually it became this police signature tune. And he's right. It didn't. Yeah. I mean, and but yeah, now I would have to say that other than every breath you take, what's the one song that everybody points to when you talk about the police? Yep. It this becomes, is it. It becomes the, the song. Yeah. Um, it has fast slashing rhythm guitar work, spacious arrangement and good singing. According to Cashbox, <laughs> uh, the Fort Worth Star Telegram rated it to be the fifth best single of 1979 um and it was off to the races man i mean this song uh, along with the whole album of atlandos d'amore um so lonely the third single from this album did mm. not chart um it it was not it didn't have the uh success that roxanne and can't stand losing you did it might have not gotten anywhere in the United States. However, the song did have the effect of completely propelling them very, very quickly. Yeah. That is a fact. And we talked a little bit about this before, but part of that was based on uh, the police pulling the old, we're banned by the BBC <laughs> um, because we're talking about prostitution. Now, this is one of those things, again, you know, we when we talk about, when we talk about, the lyrics we we have the different categories right we've got you don't know what the song is about uh we've got these lyrics are bad um we've got you know a couple different reasons that we bring songs onto the podcast i would venture to say in my humble opinion one i don't know if people realize what the song is about ever since especially being having the light shown on the fact that people didn't know what Haya was about um, when I foolishly thought that I knew everyone, I thought that everyone knew uh, what it was about. Now I call into question every time when when they hear the song, do they know that it's about a guy falling in love with a prostitute and trying to coax her out of prostitution? Now, these days, I think that most people that are maybe a, more than 10 years younger than us just relate it to a drinking game. Yes, it's 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 something that people bring up. Oh, when he sings Roxanne, this side of the room drinks. When he says, put on the red light, red light, this side of the room drinks. And that's how uh, I think it's in a lot of younger people's public consciousness. So they may not know. I mean, I will also uh, I will also say, and I know that this is from a different time, but the song is very anti-sex worker uh, and very anti the idea of a woman being able to make up her own mind. And we don't really know 
there's there's like other songs that we've gone through with Sting. We don't really know what the moral is supposed to be here. We don't really know what we're getting at. We're kind of hearing part of a story, but we're not really hearing the 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 end of it and what it is that's supposed to be happening, what we're supposed to be learning. This one has a little bit more of a mystery to it than week two and week three. Can't stand and don't stone, don't uh, don't stand or, you know. Yeah. Um, can't stand, don't stand. Yeah, can't stand, don't can't stand. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a little bit more of a uh, of a mystery as to what exactly he wants to have happen. Uh, the music video, boring. There's two of them. One of them is very boring, where even the band looks bored. Sting is just sitting on a... Basically, they're in front of a red backdrop, and Sting is just sitting on the floor, just like, I'd rather be anywhere than here. Looking despondent. Yeah, yeah. there's another um, there's another music video where they're playing live, and we didn't mention this about past uh, music videos, but they whoever it is that directed these love to do the still frame. Mm-hmm. There's a yes, lot of them do. playing That's live funny. videos, and then they're like... He'll hit the splash symbol and it'll just freeze there, and it's like, all right, well, I guess that's kind of an '80s trope, though. Yeah, kind I of. I guess that's yeah. fair. Yeah, um, a couple of other things to talk about, but I think we can probably that hold video. Off. By the way, uh, it's not in the forefront with the red background of the first video that he was talking about. However, in the live show, you can definitely tell that they are bathed in red light throughout. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so. Um, I do want to take uh, every week. I seem to go over a little bit about each member of the band. Of course, of course Stewart at first, um, Andy second. Something that set these guys, all three of them, apart from the scene that they were supposed to have started in, is that I don't think that any of them really experienced that much poverty or struggle in their early lives. Andy, you know. I don't really think that even though he's the story went that he was born in and and spent the first two years of his life in a gypsy caravan, essentially a glorified covered wagon. I think that might have that might even be hyperbole, I think, in in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Stewart definitely did not. He had well to do parents and sting born 2nd of October 1951 in Walsen, England. Mm. Um, He was raised in Northumberland, which is way up there on the border of Scotland. And uh, I don't really think that he had it, you know, as as um, Walls End. I'm sorry, London, Walls End, England. Uh, I don't think that he had it really as bad as uh, as the people that he was playing around in London in the late '70s. Attended uh, a grammar school, which is essentially a public school. Uh, mm-hmm. I know here we attend we. Uh, equate public schools with a lower end of education but in England they tend to be the better schools uh in Newcastle upon Tyne which is way way to the north uh grew up around the late 60s rock scene um you know wasn't necessarily really involved in it like Andy was um but uh he performed jazz uh after he picked up the bass and uh, started learning it uh, played in a Newcastle band called Last Exit. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Mark had mentioned earlier, gained his nickname after a habit of wearing a black and yellow jumper um, while playing with the Phoenix Jasmine. The band leader in that, called Gordon Solomon, thought that he looked like a bee, so they, of course, picked up on the sting. Uh, and that just, you know, took off. Last Exit was the band that he was in when he met Stuart Copeland. Yes, he was on yes. tour with, with or playing shows with Last Exit. I don't think that he had... You know that. Uh, of course, we mentioned that he eventually got work as an English teacher. Um, didn't really have some sort of outrageous beginning or, or 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 deep story like I think Stuart or Andy did. 
um, just was a northern English kid, you know, that, that liked music and got into it and had a talent and mm-hmm. fostered it. And that's pretty much it. And then we just can segue into the police. It's not as oddly, in, in my opinion, not as deep as Stuart or Andy's uh, background. Yeah. I mean, he's just guy who was talented and picked up bass and that was it. Yeah. Now, happy accidents leaving things in ah i do yes. have to say i don't know if you read this or not oh i did there's a little bit at the beginning that you're going to hear here so we have this instrumental part the eh, 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 and you uh i've never heard the piano have you no so no i didn't sting if you look at the credits of the song sting is credited as playing butt piano <laughs> uh while the recording was going on while the tape was running he sat on a piano um, on the key section, thinking the lid was closed, but was not, and kind of sat on the keys, and you hear this little laugh. So that is, um, that's uh, that's the story about why there's laughter in the beginning there. Um, and then... It we, is a little discordant. You do catch up, catch on that if you listen closely, you know? Yeah. yeah. Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. Roxanne. You don't have to wear that dress tonight. Walk the streets for money. You don't care if it's wrong or if it's right. Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. Has to be addressed right away if you think that this is being, um, if this is third person or first person. What do, what do you think we're looking at? What's Mr. Hoffman think? Well, <laughs> is it autobiographical? According to the story, as much as we know it, no, it is not. Sting, as mentioned previously, saw some prostitutes outside of their hotel in Paris and was kind of thinking about, like, these women's lives, that they must have boyfriends, how do their boyfriends feel about it, and it just prompted him to write this song. So if we're going by his word, which I think we can, uh, it is not autobiographical. He's delving into the psyche. He is. Yeah, he's definitely doing that. I mean, but I think that it's fair to say that I think any good writer does that or attempts to do that. Do you not agree? You have to. Right. You absolutely have to. Um okay. and uh I I I I I'm just have I'm very conflicted about how much in uh, especially over these last three weeks how much is him yeah it's really it really begs the he question is, it, it really you just have doesn't to ask seem that to question. have the best track record of course we all know that a red light indicates that uh an area certain portion of a town province what what have you is probably given over to illegal activities or what we've come to know as vice um, in this case, we do know it's prostitution. We've discussed that before. Mm-hmm. Um, red lights were put up so that people would know um, that this is the area where these things, it was kind of an undercover sign that this is where these activities took place. A little bit of trivia here, Mark. I read somewhere a long time ago that the reason 
that they used a red light is that so that when the ladies stood outside of wherever they were working, um, red lights seem to not highlight whatever flaws they might have. That's interesting. It's not a you know as as opposed to a solid bright white light. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, and even if you've been in a place like Nice Guys, you'll know that non regular bright white lighting is always just it makes you feel like you look better yeah <laughs> people just look better under different colored lighting it's important for a bar to have good lighting isn't it absolutely yeah yeah there's some other places around here where it's like you know you might want to kind of get with a program and not just yeah. have lights you're <laughs> like just not as normal ass light you're not as sexy in a call center yeah you know it's just okay. yeah <laughs> and coming from a guy who works in a call center I mean, you're you can be absolutely correct um yeah i i i think that um kind of getting from the beginning here you don't have to put on the red light so you know we're getting this uh with his first verse he's he's kind of playing the hero here yes you know he's saying you don't like what you're doing the knight in shining armor yeah yeah you're you don't like what you're what do you you know you don't have to do that anymore Mm. you've got me now i'm here or i could be here let me ask you a question You've seen Pretty Woman? Yes. So do you think that this is a case of a man falling in love with a prostitute who has paid for her services? Or do you think this is a man who is paying for a prostitute that he just merely walked by or met at a coffee shop or did the little thing where he closes the box on her finger real quick and she goes, oh! That suddenly he wants to be charming? Right. I... I, I... I can't help but think that the, that the subject that's being, we're not talking about Gordon, mm-hmm. that the subject is somebody that has probably already procured the wares, so to speak, mm-hmm. and is all of a sudden a little more enamored than he should be. Yeah. That's kind of what I get from this. Yeah. It's easy to uh, fall in love with someone after you have sex with them. I mean, once you've got that... Uh, <laughs> Newsflash. Fluids. Most obvious statement ever made on podcast. Well, you know, I, you say that, but I, I think that it's very funny because yeah. there are definitely people who try to do the whole... As we play footsie um, here. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, please. More of that. Seth San, you don't have to put on the red light. Mark. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's definitely a long storied history of we'll just fuck and we'll mm. just be friends with benefits. Um and uh, there's usually one, you know, it's a lopsided relationship where one person wants more and one person just wants to get off. Yeah. And as soon as you have sex, then it the the balance heavily tilts. It, it, it always, <laughs> there are a lot of people yeah. who are like doing it like, yeah, yeah, I know that it's not a thing. But then people catch feelings. Talk about something they talk about in rap songs. Oh, really? Um, now these days. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm so, not saying that it's never existed. Right. That, you know, that there has been a friends with benefits situation that worked out, you know, okay, that, that had a that had a somewhat happy ending, I suppose, that that was amicable to both situation to both both sides. Um, but more often than not, when you see things like this arise, um, especially in the dynamic of one person is definitely you can mark safely assume that the prostitute or the lady of the night in this case is definitely more experienced, probably, yeah. you know, than 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 our subject here. Um, you can you can draw the it's 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 a safe conclusion to draw. So a couple different things that I want to point out as far as the language of this verse. 
those days are over. I mean, he's just telling her, you're fucking done. That's the language of a person that is immediately overstepping. Hey, those days are over. He's line stepping. Oh, absolutely. He's jumped over the line. He is. Yeah, yeah. he's a habitual line stepper. Exactly. <laughs> um, you don't have to sell your body it's to Rick the James. night. And it's like, well, you know, have you ever thought to ask whether or not she wants to it do that? Completely leaves that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's automatically. And again, <laughs> when we talk about what we're supposed to be getting here, the moral how are we supposed to be viewing our humble narrator? Are we supposed to be sympathetic? Are we supposed to be like, this guy's an idiot? Are we supposed to be sympathetic to his viewpoint and see him as a hero? I don't know that we ever get there. We'll move on a little bit here and okay. find out. But one thing is for sure, um, you know, he's definitely coming into this verse, tell you know, as the white knight. He's definitely coming into this verse as, boy, are you lucky. The crusader. Boy, are you lucky that you met me. Yeah. You slut <laughs> you know like <laughs> holy shit you've been without actually this, using this the word time. yeah but hey gather your stuff you don't have to do this anymore oh what's that you might have wanted to do this how did you feel sex is a funny a fun thing and you can make way more money than working at the fucking hardware store down the street i don't want to dig too deep and you can edit this out if you want but how did you feel about the ending of pretty woman I've never seen Pretty Woman. You never have. I've never have. I always loved the Dave Chappelle take on the movie. I know we, there's things that come up with Dave Chappelle, but on mm -hmm. his show, which I find incredibly I remember this a little hilarious, bit. Yes, he yes, recreates yes. a scene where the Julia Roberts prostitute character is laying next to the Gene, Gene Siskel. Can I, I can't <laughs> believe I was just going to say that. What's his name? Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Richard the Gere. Man. John. John character and it's the morning after and she's laying there and describing the situation in the movie that brought her to where mm -hmm. she is now walking the streets and working for money and she's sitting there you know I've come you know I had to do this and my friend turned me out and everything and in the movie Richard Gear, you know says well we're you know he without saying so much is we're gonna get up and we're gonna you know we're gonna change you gonna and change I've, I'm path. enamored with you and on the Dave Chappelle version he reaches out, boops her on the nose, and goes, you, you got to get, get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of here. <laughs> Which I think this girl might is a little used to and probably wants to hear and doesn't want to hear this shit. I well, mean, I mean, I don't you know, know, I don't know. Again, I think that it's maybe, maybe even if he may be coming from a place, this narrator may be coming from an altruistic place, a noble place, but. He needs, and again, I know this is the 1970s. The world was a very different place. Mm -hmm. London, Paris were very different places. It's funny to see it in the context of the world now where sex positivity has become such a thing and that there was a lot of that going on. <laughs> Oof, there he is. Yep. I saw you looking at the light and I was like, what's my man doing? That's how I get him out. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's how you make your nose come. <laughs> I don't, don't know why do I said again. it like that. I got to mop up this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this please. ejaculate. He's got, <laughs> it's got a little dripping from the nose. Um, oh, you know, another, <laughs> another line that kind of rubbed me the wrong way is you don't care if it's wrong or if it's right, which also has a certain level of what the fuck is wrong with you? Like you just don't care about the rules and the law. Um, How dare you think for yourself? Yeah, and and automatically assuming that she doesn't care. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess you could say that she doesn't say, care because she's I doing should it. say, oh, you're a woman. You can't figure these things out. You have yes. to have somebody step in. Right, you right. Know. He probably sees her as a girl. So then we get to um, <laughs> we get to yeah, the if chorus. we look at the last couple of songs, yeah. And the chorus does not give us anything that the pre-chorus doesn't. Roxanne put on the red light. Roxanne put on the red light. And much like Can't Stand Losing You, I'm not going to do that over and over again. I do love the backing vocals in this part and in the end. They're the good chords harmonies. that they make. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's so great. And it gives a level of intensity to the chorus that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me, unlike you, like the chorus a lot. We get to the second verse. I love you since I knew you. I wouldn't talk down to you. I have to tell you just how I feel. I won't share you with another boy. I know my mind is made up. So put away your makeup. Told you once, I won't tell you again. It's a bad way. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Seems like there's a common theme of there's always that manipulative line that, hey, I'm just being your friend here, uh, runs throughout, uh, especially like uh, uh, it was back in Don't Stand. There, I think it was maybe the third verse or second verse where, you know, I'm not I'm not going to talk down to you. You know, I'm, I'm going to. Hey, I'm while your he's buddy talking here. down to her, while he's talking down to her, I'm, I'm your buddy here. Uh, and I loved you since I knew you is just is, is, there, is I've used this word too much, but clunky um, since I knew you. Yeah, well, uh, give us a time frame. It's kind of it's it's just weird hanging since I knew you. I mean, that could be forever. I mean, shit. As far as we know, it could have been since elementary school. I don't know. It's it's not giving us a, a time frame in this. Just sounds extremely strange to me for some reason. It rubs me the wrong way. And again, here we don't know if 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 the if the character is not seeing the irony. I I you know it's hard to tell if. This is being written in a way where we're supposed to be like, oh, this poor fool doesn't realize like he's doing the very thing he's saying he's not going to do. It's not autobiographical. Or if <laughs> it's not autobiographical, it's not autobiographical. Or if we're supposed to be like, oh, well, good. This guy's good. You know, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure what the stance is supposed to be here. Yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to expect. I want to tell you how just how I feel is just such a universally sympathetic line. It's what people do in love songs. It's, you know, I want to express myself. It's it's the essence of what you do when you're creating art, when you're trying to connect, when you're trying to get along. But then, you know, uh, he's telling you how if I won't share you with another boy. I'm putting my foot down right here. I'm not giving you a choice. <laughs> and th- yes, and what you just said is, at this point in the story, he has told her, we are now a thing. Yeah. And you can't do this anymore because I'm not going to share it's, you. It's, I want to tell you just how I feel. I'm the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna let me tell you just how I feel. You and I are now a steady thing. Surprise. Hope that's... Hope that's cool. Oh. Hope that's kosher. Oh. By the way, also, because I made that decision, you are no longer allowed to do this thing that you're doing. 
At no point did you get new glasses? I did. I love those glasses. Thank you, you so much. They look great. I, on I, you. I just I'm sitting here and I'm smiling because I'm picturing her response as 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 a lady of the night, as a, as a working woman, going, "This is going to get very expensive for you." You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. If I'm gonna be if with you one guy, keep seeing me, that's it's, fine. It's gonna be, uh, motherfucker. I pay. Uh, you, I get paid by the week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need a lot of new pairs of glasses, handbags, and shoes. Um, Sting loved her since he first bought her services and promises he won't talk down to her, or treat her like an object, unlike those other men, says the genius annotation, mm-hmm. kind of getting it right finally. Yeah. I, um, I read earlier geniuses, and they weren't horrible on this one, believe it or not. I know my mind is made up. <laughs> what about her mind? <laughs> it's, it's just like, I, again, it drives me wild that I don't fully understand where where Sting is coming from with this and, and what we're supposed to get. I hear a, a very inexperienced boy reiterating to himself that he's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear in that line. Sting is saying he's made up his mind and that he definitely wants to be with her and she can no longer put on layers of makeup to appeal to other men and continue being a prostitute. Are you a fan of Weezer? Me? Yeah. You know. Boy, you should have known by now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pop. Well, I, I think one of the earliest memories that I have with you outside of playing at specific venues um, is that we were both at a Weezer show together in like 99, 98. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you go because your significant other wants to go or what and have you. And the girl that I was there with at the time did buy me tickets and take me there. It was great. It was a really great weekend. Um, but I really was genuinely excited to see Weezer. They have a song called No One Else. Um, that oh. is on the Blue Album, yeah. which is one of my favorite Weezer songs as it relates to melody and music, etc. Um, but the lyrics are in the chorus. I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. When I'm away, she puts her makeup on the shelf. Mm. When I'm away, she never leaves the house. I want a girl who laughs for no one else. We just transferring songs here, just going right over to that one. I it mean, sounds like we could. It's not a single. Yeah. I trust me. I've yeah. thought about it. Yeah. And if we get to a point where we're just Digging. letting throwing everything to the wind, yeah. um, I would like to do that song. There's also a couple of other songs on, um, on their second on, uh, album, Pinkerton. Uh, Pinkerton. Oh, oh yes, there oh, are. We talked about doing Across the Sea, oh. uh, which is ultra problematic. Um, but a great song. It's a great <laughs> that song. That whole record is incredible. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we've just got more of this guy, you know, this guy doing what so many guys do, I think, um, both in, in any kind of situation where you um, where you catch feelings after having sex with somebody. I, 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 I don't know, again, if he purchased services from the sex worker or if it was some other kind of situation. Will we ever know? I don't think so, for sure. You get the implication. But if he did, it would be a, a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. You know, you get dicked down or you get your dick dicked down or pussied down, I guess. Whatever. And you catch feelings for somebody because you thought that you felt this huge connection. And the other person is like, I was giving you what you were looking for. That's my job as a prostitute. You know, are we following? You know, are we following the story of a duped John who caught these feelings and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you away from this world." Right. And she's like, "No, 
I'm actually good. She could have made the colossal colossal mistake of consider colostomy mistake of considering the feelings of the John. You right. know, um, which you, I, I don't really, I don't know. I, I haven't really known a lot of ladies that have done this. I've known a couple, but um, but I, I don't know if they, I, even the ones that I did, um, they tended to consider the feelings of the people that they were with. Uh, a lot of that is because they were getting paid for it. But, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, but yes, it, it's, we don't, it's we hear true. Not, but we hear nary a word from her in this whole story. Not a word. We are only hearing from from the vantage point of the guy who is growing increasingly more and more fed up, culminating in that last line in the verse, told you once, I won't tell you again. Did you have a strict father? Yes. So did I. Yeah. I told you once, I won't tell you again. Yeah. yeah. We'll send shivers down the spine of anybody who's been with a certain kind of parent, whether it was father or mother, um, especially when you're a rambunctious preteen or postteen, where you were told the telling is done. The mm -hmm. talking is done. Next sound is the sound of a belt making its way through loops very quickly. Yes. And wow, are we getting a little bit of a view of what wonders the this this woman has to look forward to if she decides to not carry on with the world's oldest profession. Guess what? I've learned this certain dynamic in my life, whether it's familiar or societal, and uh, I have this life-changing experience, and now I would like to case you up and make sure that you're never, never looked at as a sexual being by anybody else in the world mm -hmm. for, for, for time, for all time. You know? Right. So That's done. That's And that's... That's everything that I just said is really scary. Yeah. To, I mean, it should be. To I you. told you once, I won't tell you again. It's a bad way. And again, he's the one deciding this. And if he did pay for her services, this is like those fucking assholes who love to shit talk porn stars, but love to watch porn. Yeah. Hey, yeah. guy, I've got news for you. The very people that you're jerking off to and probably not paying because you're telling everybody about free porn, this free porn, that those are those women. The problem is you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, unfortunately it's just uh, one of those cases of, well, yeah, I, I, I think if you ask most of these guys, if you took the conversation to full fruition, they would say, yeah, well, they're just lesser than, and their job is to appease me. And uh, it's disgusting. You know. Now, there are people... What, what's more disgusting, Mark? The ones that just look at them as a piece of meat and they're just here to please me and that they're not really alive? Or I want to make you mine and keep you in a glass case? You know, which one? Which one's worse? A lot of creep. A lot yeah, of creepiness lot of, happening oh here. Oh, boy. I won't talk down to you, but I will try to tell you what to do and make judgments about your source of income. There are a few layers to what is being offered here that are not about unconditional love. And while that's not necessarily bad, if I were Roxanne, I would be careful to appraise what I was getting into <laughs> with this guy. Really, gen the, genius is really bringing it for this one. Wow, yeah. They're really bringing it for this one. They really get it. Maybe the best one we've ever they had. Really yeah. The song ends with Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. And as I mentioned, I just want to talk a little bit on a musical standpoint. Yes. The the, the choruses, I think, are, are of a fine length throughout the song. In the ending, 
we get the same Roxanne, Roxanne in the background with him kind of with, with this increased intensity. He takes it to as church. As the hi-hats slowly open, then we get the snare on every beat, and then we get the he starts hitting the and it I just picture it building with the intensity that this guy has it does and it and and like we've talked about before it doesn't end it goes on and on and fades out and I and I can't help but wonder as a musician and as as someone who's written songs if that's not intentional if he's expressing the manic attitude of the subject yes I mean um because I believe that's that's insightful yeah, and I, 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 I would have to do a little research to look to see, but I will say, just like the very first song we did for Police Parole, it continues over and over oh, and yeah. over oh, and shit. over and over again. It does. And fades out as if to say, this is not ending anytime soon. Wow. This obsession, this maniacal obsession with a person just does not end kind of bookends the recording career of the police doesn't it it absolutely does kinda, i mean it's weird it absolutely does and that's the song jesus mark um, don't say it well we're close buddy don't say it in 1997 roxanne was remixed by american rapper and producer puff daddy for the compilation the very best of sting and the police the remix titled roxanne 97 featured raps from pros and samples from utfo's Roxanne, Roxanne. Have you heard it? No. Me neither. Don't Peaked want to. at number 59 <laughs> uh, on the Billboard Hot 100, so people did care. It has appeared on all of Police's Greatest Hits albums in 2004. Rolling Stone ranked at number 388 on its list of 500 greatest songs of all time. In the year 2000, VH1 ranked the song at number 85 on its list of 100 greatest rock songs, while in 2003 it was ranked number 90 on their list of 100 greatest songs of the past 25 years. Um, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame and also the first song the band performed live at the 2007 Grammy Awards to kick off their 30th anniversary reunion tour and the first song they did when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And brought up repeatedly by anyone my age who saw 48 Hours featuring Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy as the song mm. that Eddie is singing when Nick comes into the jail to uh to to dig him out to dig eddie out uh eddie giving a really bad uh, or an off-key version of it that's just something that's in you know like in the culture i suppose that everyone brings up bears mentioning here the backing vocals by the way all done by sting no andy summers no Stuart copeland which um if you watch the the red background music video version there's a very funny kind of part at the end where the vocals are going over and over again where you see Andy Summers and uh, Stuart Copeland and Sting all wearing gla- big glasses, looking kind of like a doo-wop band or like a Motown band standing in a line singing this song. Seth. I'm all good things must come to an end, but and, before we put this bad boy to bed, well, you've got you've got your nightgown on. Yeah. You got your my, floppy cap. My nightcap. You've got your cam- candelabra. <laughs> You're about to do a big honk shoe, honk shoe. But before you blow out the candle, you got to give a creep factor. I went for uh, Mark, Mike went first last week. Okay. Um, and I went first. We first. Uh, I went after Mike. You want me to and go first? first. I want you to do it. Okay. 
Got to tell you, I didn't think the song was going to be very high. Um, as mentioned, there are a number of singles that we went through that we were trying to decide. The first three were in the bag. I mean, you cannot do Police Parole without doing Every Breath You Take, Can't Stand Losing You, and Don't Stand So Close to Me. Three extremely problematic, extremely creepy songs. Whether they're about Gordon Shumway's actual uh, history as an English teacher. Not autobiographical. Or, um, you know, about uh, his marriage disillusion and talking about staring at somebody and <laughs> watching every move they make and everything they do. <laughs> Not autobiographical, apparently. <laughs> or about threatening to kill yourself and calling teenage suicide funny. I, I, I thought that this one was not going to be very high. God damn, that second verse. Even I, who knew the lyrics, Seth, yeah. had never really told you once, I won't tell you again. <sighs> and the intensity and the decision-making, the lack of autonomy and voice for the sex worker in question. I have to give it. An eight three. You repeated something extremely important over and over. That I didn't look at at all ever. And has just come to glaring light. And that's that there is no voice for the other person at all. There's, there's, it, it completely lacks voice mm -hmm. for what is essentially <laughs> the only two characters in the song, um, and you're only, it's, it's, it's uh, very. Is this narcissistic, Mark? I'd say to a degree, yeah. It, it's a little narcissistic, um, and knowing uh, my experiences with people like this throughout my life. Um, it's, uh, it's like you said, problematic in, in more ways than one. And, and you put a stamp on it. I was going to say that second verse, God damn, you're right. And I didn't, and the same thing, I thought that this was going to be, especially when you and I sat here for an hour one night trying to figure out what the last song was going to be. I thought, oh, well, that's going to be the one that's, that's not. And, uh, I'm not doing this just to, to, to save a prediction. It, it just, you're right. Uh, a light has been shown. On, I'm changing my score to 8.5. Okay. A light has been shown on this. I'm giving it. I don't think it's up. The, I'm not. It's not every breath you take. No. Which is just scary. Um, this is, this is to me, an 8.0. Flat 8? Eight. An 8.0. I could give it a little bit higher, but uh, there were other things, you know, like in uh, Don't Stand that were, that were a little bit, that were a little bit scary to me. Um this though, uh, you never get the voice of the other person. Yeah, should it sh it should be higher than eight point zero? It really should. I, I, that's why I did I eight point three, yeah, and I was like, I, I gotta mean, creep it, it up a little bit. I'm gonna There's... stick with the eight point zero, and with that, I mean, I'm just I'll let, take it away, Mark. The combined with Mike Canary's score. Oh, I I do want to mention we did we did request we were going to have Kyle Ann on. Unfortunately, she was not able to join us today. She wasn't feeling well. I, I did want to kind of wrap up and get a female point of view. I kind of wanted to run through 
all of the some choice lyrics of some of the um, past songs we've done. But unfortunately, she wasn't able to come. And it was so last second that we weren't able to find someone else to fill in. Um, so we weren't able to 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 get that point of view from how a woman would feel if she had someone writing this song. And what if somebody told you that you didn't have an opinion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so unfor- unfortunately, we were not able to get that uh, point of view. Uh, with Mike Canary's score, we are at, drum roll please, an 8.32. So just a hair over eight. Prediction was correct. My was prediction correct. was correct. Yeah. Yeah. The police throwing out some creepy ones. Creepiest band ever? Well, I mean, uh, probably <laughs> no. <not. laughs> no. Which is saying something. Yeah. To have a creep factor of 8.37 over four different songs and uh, two, four, six, eight, nine different scores. Right. Um, I mean, we were picking uh, the lowest of the low. Well, you know, he came along, he went on his own. He uh, dragged that overall band, that 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 career wide index down with his blue turtles and Sumner's tails and shit like that, and you know, and now we just look at him as a somewhat innocuous yet still very egotistical rock star from England. Um, but he's harmless. Yeah, he's harmless. Um, so lonely, king of pain, wrapped around your finger. The bed's too big without you. Um, a couple of other songs, um, that we had considered while, uh, while doing this synchronicity Two. uh, synchronicity Two, which is a completely different kind of creepy, yeah. uh, but is also just a great song. I love that song. Um, so a couple of other songs for you to uh, check out if you want police pearl to go on in your mind, uh, and to go on in your heart since, uh, we are wrapping up and a huge thanks to the police. We couldn't have done this without the police. Yeah. A very talented, and wonderful group of uh, musicians uh, doing wonderful things. A band firmly where they're supposed to be. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Are they overrated? I don't think so. I think they're right where they're supposed to be. Yeah, and not a band anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Seth? Oh, wow, man. Like a caterpillar into a butterfly, we emerge from Police Pearl <sighs> anew. Our beautiful wings unfurl and dry off in a mm. mid may or an early may summer's breeze i'd like to say that we are now disembarking the cruise ship yes we didn't make too much of a fool of ourselves on the dance floor on the on the ship we didn't drink i think too much we didn't overdo it at the all you can eat buffet no. on the, we we didn't have to man the lifeboats mm-hmm yeah, the fun is over. There was no, there was no uh, string section playing us down. <laughs> Nearer, uh, my God, to thee. We no. have, we have, uh, we have locked up. We have stevedores bringing our ship in. I'm a little sad. I gotta say, I'm it a little, is a little, little bit of a bummer. Yeah, it is. But next week, the beginning of May. Oh boy! I, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I hope. I hope. I made a couple of suggestions throughout this. I hope it's one of those suggestions. Do you want to pick? No, no I, I want you're you more to than say. Welcome it. No, to I want. I want to hear what you have to well, say. Well, there's one that I'm very, very looking forward to doing. It was used in the trailer for Air, the new movie that is out uh, about the creation of the Michael Jordan uh, Air uh, Nike shoe. Okay. 
why the music is in there befuddles me. Um, but once I heard it, I remembered I've wanted to do that song on this podcast forever. And as soon as Police Pearl's done, we have to do it. The song is Sister Christian and the band. Yeah, you've talked about this. For a oh, time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I am very, very excited to do it. The song is Sister Christian and the band is Night Ranger, mm. which is maybe the worst fucking band name. It sounds like an 80s movie. It's a dumb name. Um, but Sister Christian, who? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it deserves to be on this show. Man. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a joy. But next week, we're going to talk about it in just a second. I'm picking next week's. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. We are, we've got some other songs for you guys. We're very, very excited. Uh, as sad as it is to put uh, Police Pearl to, to bed, we are excited about the future and getting back to some other songs that deserve to be raked over the coals. Seth, anything you want to add before I close us out here? Please go out there and tell people about this podcast. Tell them about those guys that you know and that you saw on the Discord lyrics to go page uh, uh of course fathered by none other than no nonsense trivia podcast which yes. i will be appearing on next week's episode please tune in yeah it was one of the funnest episodes that i have done i really really enjoyed it uh there's no better way for a an artistic endeavor to be uh advertised than through word of mouth so please yeah. tell your friends tell two people tell two other people i think mark used to say all the time let's do that again mark please tell us something seth Thank you again for joining me on this wonderful month and for this so wonderful podcast. Um, and we will be back next week. Make sure you listen to Sister Christian <laughs> by <laughs> Night Ranger uh, in preparation for next Monday's lyrics to go. Somewhere between my mouth and your Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>